Saxophonist, flautist, and uh, band leader um, for many great uh, bands, including the Mambo Legends, Bronx Horns, and also his own quartet. And he's going to tell you about featuring the Curtis Brothers. Brothers. (laughs) And he's going to be able to tell you um, a lot about what he's doing. Uh, I want to get into uh, every aspect of his career, a short synopsis uh, for you guys to get to know Mitch. And also, uh, if you haven't checked out his latest record, um, uh, From Daddy With Love, um, you can actually go online and check that out. It's at truthrevolutionrecords.com. But um, here we are, um, once again in New York City at a busy Starbucks. Um, luckily, I'm able to meet up with him uh, you know, between gigs, and uh, he had a day off today. So here we are. Mitch Froman, how you doing? To the world... It's great to be here. I'm doing great, Zakai. Great. It's great to have you. So let's start off with um, your introduction, your introduction to music in general. I know you've probably been involved in music your entire life. Um, You know, let us know how you got involved in, in music. The truth of the matter is my parents had an accordion in the house that was handed down, I guess, from relatives. So I think when I was, uh, I don't know, what age would you be, second, third grade? I don't know, six, seven years old? I started to, you know, fool around with the accordion and take some accordion lessons like a nice Jewish boy from Pelham Parkway. And uh, then, basically, I played in uh, elementary school. They had, like, a little, like, band that would play for... Uh, assembly programs and I remember since I had some knowledge of the keyboard they put me on the glockenspiel during one of the Christmas shows or Hanukkah shows whatever it was but basically when I got to junior high school which is what they call middle school today it was the seventh eighth and ninth grade uh, I made the uh, I did the band program and I don't know if I chose or I asked or they gave me a saxophone and that's when I started on saxophone in the seventh grade I guess I was maybe 12 years old, junior high school, 127 in the Bronx. And uh, what I remember is that I had an affinity for it. And I, you know, you know, practiced and I enjoyed it. But I remember to this day, the music teacher was not a nice person and really turned me off to continuing uh, to, to play the saxophone and when, although I like jamming with my friends, he really made it not fun in class. And when I got graduated junior high school, I quit music because it was like having to go to math class or social studies class. You know, it was, it was just another class. And just, you know, sports was always my first love. So I just played sports on every team imaginable. Uh, sandlot ball, you know, teams and everything like that. But then when I realized that I was very good at sports, but I would never become a professional athlete at college, uh, I decided to 
pick up the saxophone again. At uh, my first college was State University of New York, New Pulse, and I actually played on the junior varsity basketball and baseball team, and I also played uh, saxophone in the in the concert band, uh, alternating rehearsals and practices, and. Uh, I sprained, I, I almost bad sprain or broke my ankle uh, the, during the uh, Christmas of my, uh, my freshman year. And basically, I decided to just concentrate on my, uh, my music. And just to let it be known, I broke my ankle attempting to dunk. So, almost made it, almost made it. I could dunk a, 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 a Spaldine, but I, 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 I almost got to where I can dunk a basketball. Anyway, uh, to make a long story longer, I uh, wound up transferring down to the University of Miami School of Music, which was a great music school, but not that many people know about it. Right now it's world famous, but they were just starting. I mean, Pat Metheny was a student, Jaco Pastoris was down there, uh, Ira Sullivan, legendary Saxon trumpet player, was, was down there getting his life together, but nobody knew about that area. and. Uh, they needed students so they accepted me and it was fantastic because everybody was better than me I didn't know anything about improvisation and but I, I worked my butt off and then after my first year I got a grant from the National Endowments of the Arts to study one summer with George Coleman legendary saxophone player and uh, that really helped my development and then uh, basically I did a lot of practicing I kept myself in shape by playing intramural sports and in leagues down there. And when I graduated, I came back to New York. I started sitting with different people. And uh, I found myself uh, sitting with the Tito Puente Orchestra. And after sitting in with them, uh, steadily being one of the steady subs for a year, uh, October 3rd, 1977, they offered me the gig steady when one of the other saxophone players left. But I had been playing with them for about a year uh, from 1976. And that opened the doors to everything. Uh, we met everybody in the world and, and, and I played with everybody else in, in that field uh, besides playing and recording with bands like Blood, Sweat and Tears, Cindy Lauper, David Byrne, Paul Simon. But uh, most people know me from having played 25 years with Tito Puente and within those 25 years also playing four years with Mongo Santa Maria and everybody from Celia Cruz to... Charlie Palmieri to Kako to uh, Cheo Feliciano, even bands like Aventura, Million Los Vecinos Merengue Band, and now uh, I'm moving on up to play with the Curtis Brothers. Oh man, that's, that's a great history right there, and I know I wish I was there to see it live, I, but one thing me and my brother were able to do is we were able to definitely hear a lot of those records, and one of them that really stuck out was Silver in the Bronx which um, was a tribute, if I'm not mistaken, to Horace Silver that you did with the Bronx Horns. Tell me about your band, the Bronx Horns. Well, the Bronx Horns basically was the horn section that was with Mongo Santa Maria from 1988 to 1992. It was myself, Bobby Porcelli, legendary alto player, and great Latin jazz and all-around jazz trumpet player Ray Vega, who... Uh, wound up playing the last 10 years in the Tito Puente Orchestra also. We helped get him in there. And he, and he deserved it. Uh, so when, when we left Mongo's band in the early 90s, I had, we had gotten so many compliments at 
how well Mongo's horn section had sounded. It, it, it sounded as good as like his 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 sections back in the day when he had like Hubert Laws and the and, and a younger Bobby Paselli and, and other people like that. And those were comments coming from people like Marty Scheller, who was Mongo's musical director. So I decided I wanted to keep that thing alive, and. Uh, I kind of, you know, got some other guys, uh, you know, that played with me in, in different bands in the rhythm section. Legendary musicians like Johnny Rodriguez, my friend Oscar Hernandez. Uh, he's living in Puerto Rico now, but great bass player Johnny Torres, who plays with Gilberto Santa Rosa. But he was on the New York scene then. And many, and a few others. And we uh, recorded a, a demo tape. And this is before the Harvest Silver record. And the demo tape basically, to fast forward, became our first record, uh, Catch the Feeling with the Bronx Horns. And then a few years later, in the mid-90s, we did a gig with the Bronx Horns and Randy Brecker as a guest with us at Birdland. And Todd Barkin caught us there. And one thing led to another. And he basically got us a deal with Timeless Records and to do... uh, uh, a CD, and personally, Horace Silver was one of the bands that I wished I would have I would have got a chance to play with because I always felt an affinity for his music in that band, and his music lent itself naturally to Latin rhythms, uh, but with you know obviously a great great jazz uh, feel. So uh, it was my idea to do a kind of not a really a tribute album, but the music of Horace Silver done Bronx horn style. And not just, you know, glossing over the rhythms. I mean, I really picked out tunes and rhythms that really, you know, we had some tunes where we had Afro rhythm, some tunes 6-8, some tunes Wawonko, some tunes, you know, a Bolero, some tunes uh, Mambo. And uh, it turned out to be a, while not a commercially successful album, a very artistically successful which I had no idea influenced people like yourself and your brother until you told me. Uh, because, to be honest, with the record companies, you know, have ripped us off to this day. But it's uh, one of the bands that I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of. Yeah, and, and also uh, tell us about the Mambo Legends and what that really is, and, and also the, the connection with the Latin Giants. And uh, When Tito Puente passed away in 2000, his his dream, and he had expressed that to a few of, uh, of many of us. He wanted he had wanted to keep. Well, obviously, he expressed this before he passed away that he wanted the band to keep on going, like the Count Basie Orchestra, like the Duke Ellington Orchestra, and under the direction of Johnny Rodriguez and Jose Madera, we were able to keep the band going for another year. For reasons that I have no idea, the the family stopped. Giving us permission to continue as a Tito Puente Orchestra, and in 2001, the Tito Puente Orchestra ceased to exist. Uh, we found that there was a, somebody uh, decided that they wanted to record us, and we made it three records with not all of the original members, but most of the original members. So great records under the name uh, as the, the Latin Giants of Jazz. And then uh, we decided to leave that record label. And uh, many of us, uh, many of the same people, but not all of the same people. And under a new, uh, a completely new band uh, featuring the uh, 
the arrangements and uh, co-leadership of Jose Madero, along with Johnny Rodriguez and myself uh, as president of the Mamba Legends Orchestra and Corporation. We decided to co uh, continue what we had done with the Tito Puente Orchestra on a concert scale as a completely new entity. And uh, that's what we're doing. We, we, we recorded one album called Watch Out, Ten Cuidao, a song that I wrote that uh, Joe Madeira arranged. And we also play music uh, in the style of, of Machito, Tito Rodriguez. Out of all the bands in the world, we have more of the musicians that really played with Machito and Tito Rodriguez alongside Tito Puente than even the, uh, I don't say ghost bands, but even the, the bands that are led by uh, the children of, 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 of the legends. You know, we're not a ghost band. We're still made up of guys such as Johnny Rodriguez, Jose Madera, myself, Bobby Priscelli, Sam Burtis, Ronaldo Jorge, uh, Sonny Bravo, uh, you know, people, Pete Miranda, people that played with the, the fathers, the Tito Puentes Sr., the Machito Sr., the Tito Rodriguez Sr. And we're just trying to keep this alive because unfortunately it's a dying art. And uh, while these guys still have some years of health left, it's very important. And you've been fortunate to have had a chance to have subbed with us many times because our piano player, Sonny Bravo, can't really travel and do certain gigs like he used to because he's in his late 70s and sometimes he's not feeling up to par. While he's a, a, a great legendary piano player, uh, you've had the chance to play some gigs with us, uh, recently in fact, and uh, so that these piano montunos or guajeos are the style you're absorbing and you could pass it down to the next generation. And that's really what we're trying to do. And it's definitely a blessing to be able to uh, play with you guys and be able to learn firsthand. And you know, I've you know watched Sonny and uh, studied his videos and you know, I've done a lot of work with, you know, I've heard so much music with him on it. And I, I wanted to ask this question regarding, you know, that style of music and, and even going back to Machito, but what, what was it that made Machito's band so incredible? The, 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 the best person in the world to, to answer that question in depth, uh, I mean, I have, I have my own feelings about that, but the best person in the world to answer that question in depth is Jose Madera, whose father was... Jose Pin Madera was one of the original saxophone players and arrangers with the Machito Orchestra going back like over 70, 80 years. So, and even though Jose played, Jose Madera Jr. played with Tito Puente for over 30 years, the Machito Orchestra was his training ground. But basically, the arrangements by Rene Hernandez and Ray Santos and even Tito Puente did arrangements for Machito, and as a young, as a teenager, played, played with the Machito Orchestra. That was really the, the first of the big three, the first great big band and, and the standard. Uh, the, and then, of course, so many of the great... The combination of the great like Latin, Afro-Cuban musicians with some of the great jazz musicians of the era coming together under the musical direction of Mario Bowser, it was basically like the Latin Duke Ellington Orchestra, where Tito Puente was probably more like, you know, the excitement of, you know, like the Buddy Rich, you know, real super exciting, the dancers loved him the most, 
but I, you would say that the Machito Orchestra was was like the the, the depth of the the uh, arrangements and, and and everything was uh, like the Duke Ellington of Latin music. And there's a documentary that's coming out uh, right now. It's being screened at some film festivals. It's called For the Love of the Mambo. And you can go on ForTheLoveOfTheMambo.com, the website, and there's some trailers on YouTube. It's basically a documentary on the former musicians of the Tito Puente Orchestra and the effect that we have had on the education of many students' lives, but it gets into the differences between the Tito Rodriguez, the Machito Orchestra, the Tito Puente Orchestra. People like Bobby Porcelli, who played lead alto for all three bands, the only person to have played lead alto for all three bands steady, and who's still here going strong, talks about that in the documentary, the difference between the three bands, because he experienced it firsthand. So uh, I subbed in Machito's orchestra. I came up a little too late. I came up after Tito Rodriguez had passed away, but I got a chance to play with the Machito orchestra on a semi-regular basis. And of course, I was with Tito Puente for 25 years. So, uh, you know, the Tito Puente band w was more percussive. The Machito or orchestra was just you know, as deep as you can get. And, the, you know, n not one better than the other, just different. Many of the great musicians of that era, of this era, play with a lot of the bands. When I joined Tito Puente's band, when I played for the great bass player, Bobby Rodriguez, legendary bass player, Bobby Rodriguez, was, was in Tito's band. He was on those Charlie Parker and Machito recordings. I asked him about that. People think there was this competition there was only a musical competition in a way that they all, that each of the bands wanted to be their best in front of the others out of respect. There was, Tito Puente wrote arrangements for Tito Rodriguez. Tito Puente wrote arrangements for Machito. Tito Puente played in the Machito Orchestra as a teenager. There was camaraderie. It's not like what you see in the movies. And so, uh, you know, it's almost like if you see like uh, two sports teams playing and they want to play their best. But you know something, if anybody from the stands comes into the field, both of the teams feel that that, that person has interfered with their fraternity and they come together with mutual respect. You know, uh, this might not be a good example. Like, it's like when two boxers, at the end of the match, they could be trying to take each other's head off. As soon as the bell rings for the 10th round, they're hugging and showing mutual respect. Now, of course, Tito Puente and Machito and Tito Rodriguez didn't want to take their heads off. There was always mutual respect. But, you know, and, and what we're trying to do with the Mambo Legends, because through the writing of Jose Madera, who basically is the greatest arranger and orchestrator of that style of music anywhere today, uh, we play stuff in Tito Rodriguez, Machito, Tito Puente, and you could feel the difference and it's just amazing because it's all great. It's like playing a number with Count Basie, then, then moving to the Duke Ellington Orchestra, then moving to Woody Herman, then moving to Stan Kenton, then moving to Buddy Rich. And each one at the top of, of the game. And that's one of the amazing things that somebody like Jose Madera has the ability to orchestrate in all of those styles. And you've experienced firsthand where like today, they'll just write a piano part with the chord changes. 
you've seen the parts from the Tito Puente Orchestra or the Machito Orchestra where the, 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 the chord montunos are written out. Right, right. And the reason is those figures go with what the saxes play or what, what some of the other horn players play. So as not to cross each other up. I mean, it's, you know, even the bass notes are written out. Because Tito would say, I have a band for 50 years. I'll have 10 or 15 piano players over those 50 years. They're all great. But they'll all play their own Montuno if there's just a chord. And I want what I want so that everything meshes together. If the sax Montuno goes with the piano Montuno. So the piano parts are five, six, seven pages long, which you've experienced. But that's the genius of it. And it swings so hard, I wouldn't want to change it. But we're going to take a quick break and play a single from your latest album. All right, El Rumbon del Baritón. <laughs> Thank you. 
Froman here at Starbucks in New York City <laughs> and uh, I think they're getting ready to close up but um, I'm proud to say oh. I'm not a coffee drinker <laughs> and, I, and I don't support Starbucks at all <laughs> that's great so we're gonna we're gonna finish up our segment we, we want to basically um, go over your latest project from daddy with love and you know how that come about from Daddy With Love and what you're doing with that recording. Um, also, um, yeah, and then we can segue into uh, what's coming up in the near future. Okay. I've led, uh, been a part and led many bands over many years uh, from going back to the very early 80s with my good friend Joe Manazzi. Uh, I had a, a big band called the... Uh, Mitch Froman and the New York Salsa Jazz All-Stars. And then, you know, fast-forwarding many years, I, I was the musical director and band leader for the Eddie Torres uh, Mambo Kings Orchestra, the world-famous dancer Eddie Torres. And then the, we, we mentioned about the Bronx Horns, continuing the Mongo Santa Maria tradition. And then, and then the Mambo Legends. These are all large-sized bands, and I felt that at this point in my life and my career, I was ready to do a small group solo uh, quartet CD showing where I am at this point in time and getting myself out there as a featured soloist in this genre. I had written and sketched many songs over the years and I kind of put it together over the last couple of years and with the help of yourself, your brother Luquez and a great young drummer from Puerto Rico that you recommended to me, Joel Mateo, we uh, recorded a uh, a double CD, a Latin jazz quartet CD with all of my original music with the exception of one song that you did a great Latin jazz mambo arrangement of the theme song from the TV show Sex in the City and the reason why we included that is because I am the person that recorded the original saxophone solo on the theme song for the TV show Sex in the City and I get requested to play that all over the world so I had you do a better arrangement that was on the TV show and it's been very successful. But even though the CD is Latin jazz in, in all its different permutations, I wrote a ballad bolero for my three daughters, Jeannie, Terry, and Denise, uh, with a great string arrangement by my friend Jose Madera, and we made that the focal point of the feature of the, of the CD, both a vocal version and an instrumental version, and the origin of that was when my oldest daughter Jeannie got married uh, we were going back and forth on what would be the song for the father-daughter dance and 
I decided that I wanted to write something that maybe other fathers could have, uh, you know, for their father-daughter dance. And just, you know, it's a universal theme, you know, daddy's little girl. And I think I, I, I got lucky, wrote a, a nice uh, ballad bolero uh, with a great arrangement that, like I said, Jose Merdera did. Uh, Cheo Feliciano had promised me that he was going to sing it on the CD. It would have been one of the first things he would have done in English. He was one of my favorite singers in the whole world. I consider him R. Nat King Cole, meaning in, in the Latin field, R. Nat King Cole. Nicest man in the world. And unfortunately, he passed away a little prematurely uh, uh, and, you know, a couple of years ago and, you know, it never came to fruition. But my good friend, the great singer Jorge Maldonado, did a great job on it. And so we named the CD from Daddy With Love. Uh, we even have, I wrote a song featuring the great guest of a percussionist, Johnny Rodriguez, and on the cowbell because as... All of you old Saturday Night Live fans know what every song needs is more cowbell. But uh, it's really uh, featuring myself on the different instruments in a bare-bones quartet setting uh, in the Tito Puente and Mongo Santa Maria style. Uh, I did a tour of Asia in March uh, uh, promoting it. Uh, unfortunately, we were, I wasn't able to take the whole band. They put groups together for me in, in, in Hong Kong and in Indonesia in... Uh, Philippines and Thailand is very successful. We recently had a successful engagement at a, this new uh, jazz club in New York City called Sub Rosa, which is affiliated with the Blue Note, and they're doing Latin jazz on Monday nights. When we had a sold-out show, and uh, we're, you know we're just going to try to uh, you know keep it going. Uh, my website MitchFroman.com. Uh, has all the information on it. You can also go on the uh, Curtis Brothers Truth and Revolution Records uh, uh, website for information about it. And uh, this is the, the project that I'm most proud of uh, uh, and have the most fun with playing with Yuzakai, your brother Lucas, and Joel Mateo that make my life a joy every time we get together. We did the American Folk Festival in Bangor, Maine. We did the Rochester Jazz Festival this summer. We did the Oakville uh, Jazz Festival in Canada last year. And uh, as uh, the, uh, the, the, the festival circuit gets, gets a little more familiar with it, I think we'll be a mainstay on, on, on the scene. Yeah, I had a lot of fun recording that uh, record and definitely honored to, to play that with you. And there was a live recording. Uh, unlike most recordings today, you guys, we rehearsed it, but we recorded at this great, great recording studio that I can't, that you recommended that I can't recommend enough. Systems 2 in Kensington, Brooklyn. Old school recording studio. The best place to record live. And we, uh, we got lucky. We captured some wonderful moments. And like you said, if you don't have that and you want to check it out, um, it's actually streaming at our band camp. Um, so you just go to truthrevolutionrecords.com and you'll find that. So Mitch, what's happening in the near future? Um, any recordings come getting released or anything you want to mention? Well, the other, the, the big band, the former Tito Puente All-Star Orchestra, under the name the Mambo Legends Orchestra, we're in the process of uh, recording our uh, new, new CD featuring all the arrangements of Jose Madera, along with one special bolero arrangement with the legendary Ray Santos, who... Uh, agreed to do a bolero arrangement of my song from Daddy With Love, but uh, we're hoping to have a special guest vocalist do it as a straight bolero arrangement. Uh, 
and we recorded all the songs. We have a few guests on the record, Eddie Palmieri, we're going to have Gilberto Santa Rosa, Tony Vega, Tito Nieves, Jose Alberto. We have uh, the great percussionist from the Grand Combo, Richie Bastar, the son of Kako, legendary percussionist. Uh, and it was done live at Systems 2. Uh, you know, there are some economic issues. It'll probably won't be out for at least another year, but it's going to blow everybody's socks off. The other project that I've recently been involved with is the greatest percussionist in the world, acknowledged by all people, all races, all colors, all creeds, the great Giovanni Hidalgo. Uh, has was a huge Tito Puente fan. Back in the early 90s, we, he was added to the Tito Puente Orchestra, for some classic concerts we did uh, and when he was just kind of starting out, you know? And he's, he's just the most humble cat and, you know, he's not just the greatest percussionist in the world because he can play fast. He's the ultimate team player. And he decided that he wanted to do a project which would feature the instrumentation of the last Tito Puente band, which was the Latin Jazz Ensemble, which was seven horns, three saxes, two trumpets and two trombones, and full Latin rhythm section, featuring the arrangements, all arrangements by the great Jose Madera in the Tito Puente style. And we just recorded that, and uh, hopefully that should be out within the next year. And it's... Uh, we're just trying to keep this alive so then uh, people like yourself could pass it along and uh, people like yourself will stay healthy and eat right and exercise and we'll get into that the next time on the way to, to, to stay in shape while playing this great music. Yes, hopefully that'll come out really soon. So I want to appreciate, I want to thank you and let you know that we appreciate you coming on to the Truth Revolution uh, podcast. And hopefully we'll have you, have you on really soon. And for all of you out there, please check out MitchFroman.com. Check out TruthRevolutionRecords.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. Um, and let your friends know about this podcast because we're going to have a whole bunch of more, a uh, whole bunch more amazing musicians on here. And uh, hopefully I can catch up with Bobby Purcelli. We'll find out if I can do that in the next uh, month or so. I'll, I'll help with that. I'll, I'll broker that deal. But before we go, we have to give a shout-out to Mr. and Mrs. Curtis, your parents, because they did a phenomenal job raising the Curtis brothers, and the fruits of their hard work have paid off exponentially. I love him to death, just like I love you, man. Thank you so much for doing this, and until next time.